All right, all right, all right. Good to see everybody here this morning. We're going to find our seats. I'm going to get right into it today. Good to have everyone here. What an amazing worship service that was, man. Just, it's just so good to, to, to worship the Lord. And I saw many coming to the front. There was just something special in the altar this morning. How many of you felt the presence of God as we were worshiping together? There's just something about it. When we lift our voices, we lift our hands, we lift our hearts, no matter what's been going on in our week. I know some of us have had, some, had a great week. Others, others of us have had a, a rough week or different. Some of us are just kind of a whatever week. But there's something about when we join together with the people of God, we lift up our voices to the Lord. God just shows up. He shows out. He does something in our hearts. He fills us with his love. I, I don't know about you, but there's something about coming with God's people and worshiping the Lord. And so... So I want to encourage you, as Bryn was, as, as he was encouraging us this morning, to step out a little bit. Step out a little bit and worship. It's easy to get comfortable kind of in a habitual uh, pattern of how we worship. We worship at this seat and we do it this way. And sometimes it's good to just break out of that and just allow God just to give you, give you some freedom to, to maybe step out and worship him in a new way. Amen. This morning, if you brought a tithe or an offering, you, you've come to prepare to give to the Lord. Uh, we thank you for that. You can give several ways in the back um, on your way out. And if you're giving with cash or check, you can drop it in those lit up giving boxes. There's envelopes behind the chairs and you can drop your gift in that envelope. And then on the way out this morning, you can drop it there in, in the giving box. You can give um, online or, or electronically via our app or even by scanning the code right there. You can scan that code and you can give electronically very safely and securely via uh, PushPay. And uh, we thank you. Some of you are set up for uh, recurring giving. It's just something that's regular and, and you just, it just, you're faithful with that. And we want to thank you for, for faithful giving to the Lord. It's so important to have a church of people that believe in giving and believe in generosity. Amen. I'm thankful for all the faithful folks that give to the Lord uh, on a regular basis. We're going to release our children to the Sunday school classrooms. And uh, as you're going, we have some of the best Sunday school teachers this, this particular month. Um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a group of just amazing ones, and uh, I know Courtney and Corey are, are, are leading that charge, and so we're grateful for them. Amen. All right, this morning, I'm going to minister a sermon I've entitled Times and Seasons, Times and Seasons, and um, I, I want to read a, a, a scripture out of Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and we're going to pull out a, a few words out of that text, Ecclesiastes 3.1 most of you would have heard this message before or heard this, excuse me, scripture before. It says this, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. All right, let's read it again. It says, to everything there is a season. Say season. A time, say time, for every purpose, say purpose, under heaven. So According to this scripture, there are seasons, there are times, and there is purpose, all right? We know that God is the God of seasons, and that's kind of an overused word in church. I know that many of you have heard people say, this is your season, God's, God's opening up a new season for you, and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. Last week, we talked about time. We know that God is a God of time. We view time a lot of times on a linear scale, but God sees it in a more of a cyclical matter. He sees time just kind of repeats itself, and well, there's different seasons in life and different times, but, but those are overused words oftentimes in church. But also another word that's used a lot is purpose, that God is a God of purpose. And so 
We know God is a God of seasons, God is a God of times, and God is a God of purpose, and we, we see that this is something that's talked about oftentimes in church, but, but I want to just settle in for a moment and talk about purpose. I want to talk about your purpose. I think everyone in this room, you've got to know that God has a purpose for your life. I know you've heard that many times, and it kind of just can go in one ear and out the other, but I'm here to de declare to you God has a purpose, a destiny for your life. He has a plan for you. God knew you were coming. And you say, well, how did he know I was coming? I was an accident. You've been told you were an accident all of your life. You might feel like you're an accident or that you don't have purpose, but you didn't surprise God. He had a plan from, for you from the beginning of time. And, and you may feel like you don't have purpose, but God knit purpose into your being while you were in your mother's womb. He had every day already planned out before any one of them came to be. Amen. He knew you were coming. He's got a purpose for your life. Not only did God know you were coming, but in Jeremiah 1, the Bible says that before he formed you in the womb, he already knew you. He knew you, he, he knows you, he knows all about you. He knows all of your failures, all of your shortcomings. He knows all of your giftings, all of your talents. God knows who you are. The problem is, is, is a lot of times we talk about purpose, a lot in church. And we talk about getting out what's in your heart. And we talk about uh, how God's got a plan and we wanna discover God's plan and we wanna walk in that destiny. We talk about that kind of stuff all the time. The problem is timing. The problem is timing because we want the time to be now, right? If God's got a purpose and a plan, let's get on with it. Anybody like me? Like, why wait around and, and, and why hope for it? I want to preach now, maybe you say, all right? I, I want to prophesy now. I want to lead now. I, I want to get the dream now. But there's, there's two elements to your purpose involved in your purpose, and those two elements are time and season. So there's a time and a season. There's a purpose for your life. That's a non-negotiable. But it also, it, there's also a time and then there's season. Can somebody say amen today? And so I was thinking about that this week, and it just kind of hit me that God uses time to season you. Think about that for a second, that God uses time to season you. I, I, I know we don't like to think of it like that. We don't like to think about the time that it takes in order to get what God has for us, but God uses time, and some of you are going through one of those times. Have you ever been in one of those seasons? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Those, those times and seasons where things aren't great and things aren't going well and, and maybe it's a little bit difficult and a little bit hard and, and you're wondering how you're gonna make it and you're wondering how you're gonna get by. God uses time, he uses those seasons to develop the purpose and plan he has for your life. The problem is is sometimes we view life in a different way and, and I, think, I think probably the best way to view life is like a seed. It's like a seed. You don't put a seed in the ground today and expect a full-grown tree tomorrow. That, that's just not how it works. If you were to talk to someone who's involved with planting or a horticulturist, they would say that you have to plant certain seeds in certain seasons at a specific time. You, you, you don't plant them in the summer, all right? You, you, you don't plant them in the winter. You plant seeds in the spring, you're preparing the ground in the winter, but, but the planting happens in the spring, and at the end of the spring, you're gonna see a little sprout maybe begin to kind of, kind, of, kind, of, kind of begin to grow. It takes time 
maybe even years before that little seed produces any sort of, any sort of fruit. And I think this is kind of a picture of how God uses time and season, maybe difficult circumstances, to prepare us for what he has ahead. I think it's easy to look at somebody in ministry, maybe you look at uh, my parents or maybe even looking at Carrie and I, it's easy to see the ministry that God's given us now. Like it's easy to see what God's done in our lives, but what, what, what you see now has been 20 plus years in the making. Are, are you hearing me today? What you see now is, is the result of God spending lots of time and lots of season pulling out all kinds of stuff of our lives, pulling out impurities and pulling out um, uh, um, compromises and pulling out all of the junk in our lives, preparing the ground so that the seed that goes in can bear fruit. And so you may look and, 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 and see us now, and, and yes, God always had a purpose for our lives. He always planned for us to lead this congregation. He always planned for us to, 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 for the purpose of God to work itself out like it is today. But from a long part of our life, he was working on the DNA of the seed. He was, he was getting rid of the stuck. He took, us, he took us through time and season. Are you hearing me today? You are a seed. You, you began as a seed. And if you can see yourself as a seed, it's going to help you understand how God's, how God's um, working in your life to prepare you for fruitfulness. We look in the Bible, you see all kinds of illustrations like this. The, the Apostle Paul. We know Paul as the architect of the New Testament church. We know Paul as the guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. But at one point, Paul was a guy named Saul. He was a guy that persecuted the church and had an encounter with God on the road to D Damascus. And we know that God knocks him off his high horse and, and, and he gets radically saved. Um, and God changed his name from Saul to Paul. All right, Saul was the persecutor of the church and Paul is the architect of the New Testament church. But the Bible, I apologize. The Bible communicates that there was a season in Paul's life that, that he didn't do anything, that God was preparing him. Some people believe that Paul would have been in the wilderness for at least seven years, perhaps even as many as 13 years in the wilderness where God was preparing him for his next season ahead. It, it, was, it was God's, uh, God's always had a plan for Paul to lead the New Testament church, for him to be the architect of the New Testament church, but there was time that was involved. There were seasons that had to take place where God had to do a work in Paul's life to change the way that he's, he thought, to, 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 to rewire his, his heart and his mind. And it's the same way in your life. God's got a purpose for you. He's got a destiny. He's got, he's got a calling for your life. But there is time and season that's a part of the equation. Are you hearing me today? You can't microwave the call of God on your life. You can't microwave the call of God. You wouldn't serve microwave chicken at your home. You wouldn't invite guests to your house and put chicken in the microwave and throw it in front of them, all right? And we don't want to serve our community a microwaved version of the call of God on our lives. That's not what we're called to do. We don't want to offer up a half-baked destiny. All right, we don't want to offer up a half-baked purpose of the call of God on our lives. God is using time to season you. 
and to prepare you for what he has next. And so you may be thinking this morning, well, when is my time then? Like, how will I know? I mean, when, when, will, I expect, when will I experience my season? Can, is there any way to fast track that? Is there any way to accelerate that? How can I accelerate the call of God on my life? I was thinking about that this week, and it reminded me of a message I preached years back, and on Wednesday, I kind of, uh, I shared a little bit about it, thinking about the children of Israel, how God delivered them from Pharaoh and the Egyptians, and so they walked out of bondage, they walked out of slavery, and they were walking into the purpose of God for their life, and we know that God had a promise for them, a promised land for them. And so they walked out of slavery, but they weren't able to walk right into the promise. Instead, they ended up wandering around the desert for 40 years. Now, if you do a little bit of research on that, the amount of time it should have taken them to walk from Goshen to the Jordan River and into the promised land, that journey should have taken them 11 days. Like if they just started walking, it would have taken them 11 days from Goshen where they, were, where they were enslaved. It would have taken 11 days from them to get there, from there to, the, to the brink of the promised land, 11 days. But we know it took them much longer than that. It ended up taking them 40 years that they wandered around in the wilderness they could have been walking in the promise, but they were wandering around in the wilderness. And, and you think about it, why did that happen? Well, it wasn't because their compass was broken. It wasn't because this, this was prior to Google Maps. That, that, that's not why. It had nothing to do with the terrain. It had nothing to do with the geography. It had everything to do with their mindset. It had everything to do with how they thought, their mentality, the, the stubbornness of their hearts. See, God had delivered his children out of slavery, right? He delivered them out of bondage. But the problem was is they couldn't see themselves as children of God. They, they saw themselves as slaves. And they couldn't get rid of that mentality. They saw themselves as slaves to Pharaoh. Why does that matter, Adam? Why are you telling me that today? Well, here's the reason. You can't enter your destiny if you're a slave, if you see yourself as a slave to your past. It's impossible. You can't enter into what God has for you if you see yourself as oppressed, if you see yourself as a victim. These, these, the children of Israel were no longer victims of Pharaoh's oppression. They were no longer recipients of Pharaoh's harsh uh, uh, tactics. They actually, they were recipients of God's mighty hand of deliverance, all right? They were beneficiaries of God's blessing and his mighty hand. They were beneficiaries of, of the fulfillment of his promise, but it was easier for them to identify with, with the, the pain and the history of their past than it was for them to identify with the future that God had for them in his promise. But for an or, in order for you to inherit your destiny, you've got to let go of your history. Amen. And that's been the truth of my life, and it's the truth of your life. It's, it, it's, it's, it's a way it works. In order for you to get the purpose of God for your life, you've got to let go of some of the things in your past. And I, I think about my own life, and I know this is true for me, that, that I remember there was many times in my life where God told me, Adam, you need to forgive. Like, I felt this impression in my heart that I need to forgive because in, in, in ministry, or if you've been around church for any length of time, 
you'll, you'll, you know that if you're, <laughs> if you're giving your life to people, you're going to get burned. People have a way of burning you. That's just the way it works. And, and, and my family and our, and, and our church, there had there, been many times that we experienced hurt and rejection and pain from other people. And, and I, I, I remember spending a, a majority of my life at church as a young man, and I would constantly remember and think about the people that let us down. I'd constantly think about the people that spoke evil about us, that intended to harm us. And, and there was a time, and I know it's hard for you to believe this, that all I wanted was payback. I know you look at me now and you think, oh, how could that possibly be? But, but it's true. All I wanted was for those that had caused me and my family pain, I wanted them to suffer, all right? And I know that's hard for you to believe. And I would, th I would actually think, my parents are just too nice. Like, I, I, I'm going to be the one to defend my family's honor, all right? E even though I knew God was saying, Adam, you can't do that, there was something inside of me that wanted to hold on to that anger, that wanted to hold on to that animosity. There was even some hatred that began to form in my life. And God's telling me, Adam, you can't minister in that state. It'll never work. And, and, and why is that? Well, the reason is, is because I'm a seed, and, and what I'm going to produce in my life is the DNA of my seed. And so, Adam, you're, if, 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 you get, if, if you start, if I put you in your purpose now, you're going to reproduce people who don't forgive. If, if I put you into your purpose now, you're going to reproduce people who are bitter, who are angry, who are nasty. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna reproduce people that resolve conflict in the wrong way. And God's like, Adam, I need you to, you to let me do a work on you. I, it's going to take some time, and it's going to take some seasoning. Are you with me today? And so I, I think about that, and I think about my own life, and it just reminds me of Joseph in the Bible. You see, Joseph was this is a picture of faithfulness. We know the story of Joseph, that God gave him a dream, that God was going to promote him and place him into a place of leadership. God was going to give him authority. And I remember he, he had this dream, and the dream was of his family bowing down before him. And he probably got a little bit excited about that dream because the next day he told them all about it, right? But that began the times and seasons of Joseph's life. He told them, hey, guys, guess what? You're going to bow down, and you're going to worship me. And his brothers didn't take too kindly to that because we know what they did next, right? They sold him off. They sold him off into slavery, and he ended up having to go to Potiphar's house. And I don't know about you. Anybody ever been backstabbed like that? I mean, I mean that's, a, that's, a, that's a rough one to be sent down the river by your own family member. But, but here's, here's Joseph in the middle of adversity, and he's remaining faithful to God. He's remaining faithful to God's plan for his life. He gets sold into slavery and ends up having to work for, for, um, uh, for Potiphar, and he had to go to work for him. And, and, and while he's working in Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife, she, she thinks Joseph's a handsome guy. She asks, she asks Joseph as her slave to make a bath for him, to disrobe, and Joseph's like, heck no, there's no way I'm going to do that. That goes against everything I believe. And, and we know she accuses him of, 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 of doing something wrong and raping her, and, and he ends up getting thrown into jail. How, how many know that's a rough season? 
I mean, he's going through a hard time. Anybody know what I'm talking about? He goes to jail, and he's still remaining faithful to God. He's proven himself faithful, and, and the butler is, is there, and the baker of the king is there, and they go, and they, they have these dreams, and they approach Joseph, and, and Joseph just kind of just tells them exactly what their dreams mean. It's, it's really a, a God kind of showing the future, and, and he says, hey, guys, listen, don't forget me. When you're back in the palace, tell, tell, tell them about me so I don't have to stay in here for the rest of my life, but we know that they forgot about him, and he was in there for three more years. I mean, can you imagine how, how, it, how it, with that time and that season of, of, of Joseph's life, I mean, I mean, what a crazy thing uh, that he's having to deal with, but he was faithful in all of these different seasons. He was faithful in betrayal. He was faithful in rejection. He was faithful in oppression. He was faithful in injustice. He was faithful in false accusation. He was faithful when he was forgotten. He was faithful when he was overlooked. God's looking for faithfulness. I began to think about that this week, and it reminded me of Joseph's sons. Finally, God begins to promote Joseph. Finally, he is able to have a family, and God begins to promote him and give him authority. And the Bible talks about two of his sons. They were named Manasseh and Ephraim. Manasseh and Ephraim. And I began to think about that that even this week, I began to think about Manasseh and Ephraim because Manasseh means the Lord has caused me to forget. And Ephraim means fruitful in a foreign land. And I began to think about Joseph's life. Here's a man who remained faithful in times and seasons. In rough times and in rough seasons, Joseph remained faithful. And then he finds himself blessed and elevated And he names his sons based on what he's feeling at the time. He names his first son, uh, um, 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 the Lord has caused me to forget. And his second son he names fruitful in a foreign land. I see that that's what God's done in my life. I mean, there would have been plenty of opportunity for Joseph to be so full of bitterness and so full of envy and so, so full of anger and, and so full of all of these, these horrible feelings. God used time and season where Joseph remained faithful, and because he remained faithful, God brought him to a place where he forgot about it all. He has a son, he says, the Lord has caused me to forget. So no longer is he remembering all of this horrible stuff, these old seasons, these past times in his life. God God was able to season him through these hard and difficult times so that he could establish the purpose for his life. And the purpose is that he would become fruitful in a foreign land. I, I just think that's so amazing. And I look at my own life. And I, I, I was recently just, just so, I was so blessed just looking at God's hand on my life. And I, it's one of those times where you're, you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, how did I get here? You know, I'm looking around. I'm looking at my family. I'm so grateful for the family God's given me. I look around for my, my wife, our relationship. I'm, I, I sat this week, had the opportunity to go to a, one of those 3D ultrasounds. Have you ever guys ever seen that? Where they do an ultrasound, and I'm, I'm sitting there looking at a, at a like, it's like an 8K version of my granddaughter in, in Lisa's stomach. And I'm just sitting there like, whoa, this is so crazy. Like, like big, luscious lips. I just can't wait to kiss them. You know what I mean? Lips and, and, and just smiles and smirks. And I'm just thinking, man, I'm so blessed. 
I mean, how in the world did I get here? How, how, how did God, and I, as I was thinking about all that, all of a sudden I realized I'm not thinking about all those people that wronged me. I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, Manasseh, the Lord has caused me to forget. I, it, it, I can't even draw up the things that were done. There was a time I was so angry and so bitter and so hurt that I couldn't think of anything else, and today I don't think about it at all. And I know God took me through times and seasons in order to fulfill the purpose of God in my life. And because I remain faithful in the process, God's, God's, God's worked out the call of God in my life, and he's still got so much more and more to do in my life. And so the question today is this. Is you, all of us want the dream. All of us want the promise. All of us want God to, to, to work out his purpose with our life. What's the fast track? How do, how do we keep an 11-day journey from becoming 40 years? And I think the only answer to that, God has one supernatural fast track, and it's called faithfulness. When we get to heaven, God's going to look at us. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant, all right? It, it, he's not going to say, well done, good and gifted. He's not going to say, well done, you're so talented. No, that's not what he's going to say. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Because God always tests us with responsibility before he trusts us with authority. He tests us with responsibility before he trusts us with authority. And I think that's why here at Elevate Ministries, we're always trying to encourage you to serve. Because faithfulness happens in serving. That's why we've started this, you've heard us talking about it many times, eConnect. And right now as I'm sharing this, they're going to put a scan code on the back of the screen. The scan code is for you to possibly pull your phone out at this time. Are you guys, are you guys hearing me back there? Hopefully they do. There it is, right there. Let me move this microphone stand so there's no chance that you won't be able to scan it. Is that okay? I want everyone to have the ability to scan this. I see no phones out at all, none. Okay, actually one right there. Anybody else? We're going to scan this code. Scanning this for what, Adam? This is for eConnect. 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 Well, what is eConnect? eConnect is an online course that we have created to help you get involved. And you say, well, get involved in what? Get involved in serving. And you're like, I don't want to serve. I want to prophesy. I, I want to preach. I want to be in leadership. I, I want to do all of those things. This, you're like, I, I don't need to serve in, I don't need to serve in the nursery. I can prophesy in front of the whole church. And I'm thinking that okay, that, that's not even, I mean, I guess that's cool. It's wonderful that you can prophesy, but that doesn't really impress me because Paul says that we all should prophesy. So we, we all can do that. So awesome, cool, that's great, you can prophesy. But let me tell you what's really amazing is you serving. Is you serving. It's you serving in the E-Kids. It's you joining a parking team. It's you, it's you offering your time in the cafe or greeting people with our experience team or coming on a Saturday and cleaning up around here. It's getting, it's getting and serving in an area on a team. That's really awesome. It's interesting that Jesus walked on water and yet still washed his disciples' feet. Isn't it interesting? You would think that he could just kind of snap his fingers and the 12 disciples would have instant pedicures. 
toenail varnish, like dialed in, squeaky clean feet. Why would Jesus need to get down on his hands and knees and wash his disciples' feet? Let me tell you why. Because Jesus came to serve, not to be served. If Jesus served, why would we try to bypass the system? Like, like, think about it like that. I remember there was a time when someone came and they joined our church, all right? They came from another church and, and kind of pulled me aside and they were like, hey, hey Pastor Adam, you know, I just want you to know I, I'm ready for leadership. I'm ready for leadership. I, I served in my previous church. Like I did a long, I've been serving for a long time and you know, I'm kind of graduated beyond serving now. I'm, I'm ready for, for leadership. And I'm thinking to myself, if you think that leading is not serving, then you're a terrible leader. Because we never graduate from serving. We're always serving. We never stop serving. Think about Moses. When God called him, he, what was he doing? He was on the backside of the desert serving his father-in-law, taking care of his father-in-law's flock on the backside of the desert when God lit up a bush. You think about Saul. Before he was anointed to be king, what was he doing? His dad lost his donkeys, and Saul's out searching for the donkeys when Samuel finds him and anoints him first king over Israel. David, what was he doing? He was looking after his father's sheep and delivering a lunch to his brothers on the battlefield when God showed him his purpose and called him to take down Goliath. The greatest thing that you and I can do is serve. Somebody shout amen. amen. And you think, well, I think Elevate's just trying to get a bunch of free labor. Let me tell you, the greatest gift that Elevate Ministries can offer you is a place where you can serve, a place where you can volunteer. Why? Because you need somewhere to be faithful. You need somewhere to be faithful. God says, well done, good and faithful. You're faithful in a few things, and so I'll elevate you to ruler over many. In other words, I tested you with responsibility, and now I can trust you with authority. And we see this all throughout Scripture. All throughout Scripture, God is looking for faithfulness. So I want to look at the word of Jesus in Luke chapter 16 with you. Because God's looking for faithfulness, and I want to make it practical for you today so that we leave here with something that we can chew on and maybe start doing even this week. But Luke chapter 16, Jesus is talking about faithfulness, and he says this in verse 9. He says, I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon so that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. All right, verse 10. He who is faithful, somebody say faithful, in what is least is faithful also in much. And Jesus is saying right there, he's saying if someone can't do a little thing well, why would you give them a big thing? Like if they can't just do that small job, why would you give them a, a big job? Because how you do a little thing determines how you do a big thing. Actually, how you do anything is how you do everything. That's what Jesus is saying. Verse 11, therefore, if you've not been faithful in unrighteous mammon, let's just stop and tell you what that is. That's money, okay? If you've not been faithful with your money, who's going to give you true riches? And if you've not been faithful in what belongs to another man, who will give you something that is your own? 
No servant can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, I know that many times this portion of scripture is used strictly to talk about finances, and finances are a big part of this text. But I want to pull out three things that God, I think Jesus is, is, is reminding us that we can be faithful to. Three things that we can be faithful to. The first thing that Jesus asks is, can you be faithful with what is least? Can you be faithful in what is least? You know, I was thinking about this, and how could I describe this? I remember um, when I was about 21 years old, we held our first Elevate conference. It wasn't called Elevate at the time. It was just a youth conference. <laughs> It was just a youth conference that serviced all of the, the young people of the fellowship of churches that we belonged to. And so there was, there was our youth ministry, which at the time was thriving and doing well. It was a really exciting time uh, in the young people of our church. But it wasn't just our group. It was a group of churches all over, young people from all over. And we joined uh, to do a conference at a hotel. Now, I had never done anything like this before, but I, I was leading this, and so I was learning how to, how, to, how to do this. What was really cool, though, is that in this room, they had this, this little telephone. Okay, it was this little telephone in the corner of the room, and, and basically, if you just pick it up, there was somebody on the other, other line to help you or to, to serve you and meet your needs, whatever they may be. And so me, being 21 years old and having a phone that I could literally pick up and I could just kind of ask for anything and it just kind of happened. Like, like I said, Can I have a, we need some water in the room. And next thing you know, there's these people kind of running in with, with water and stuff and hey, we need, we need, the, we need the air, air conditioning turned down. And they'd come in, they shut the air conditioning down. It was like, this is amazing. How many would wish you had a phone like that in your house? Like you could just kind of pick it up. I mean, I was using this phone all week long. Just, I was finding things that we could possibly need help with just to use the phone. I was like pulling people over, hey, check this out. Watch this. You know, and I, I, was, I was like bringing people in on it. Like, man, you can literally ask for anything and they just bring it to you. This is amazing. And so the conference is over. We had a great time. It was a great conference. And I remember coming back and I was like on cloud nine. Like, I felt like, man, I, there's nothing I can't do. Like, like, I know what it's like to have a phone that, that, did, that answers all of my needs, you know. And so I was, I was over at the office and Pastor Carl was, was in his office and I'm just kind of going back and forth and telling them all the great stories of this, of this first week-long event. And uh, I was telling them about how, you know, God moved and, 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 and then the worship and the different ministry that happened. And I was like, Dad, they had this phone. I was like describing this phone. Dad, I just pick it up, tell people what to do. They come running in. It was amazing. And my dad's like, oh, that's really cool, man. I'm glad you had a great time. That's wonderful. I'm like, yeah, it's so cool. I started to back my way out of his office. He's like, hey, hey, Adam, Adam. So I came in. Yeah. He's like, um, uh, the bathroom need cleaning. I was like, and? Do you know who I am? Like, I'm the head of the conference. Like, my calling is to preach and to lead now. Like, I've, I've advanced. I've got my own phone. Like, I pick it up, and people, I don't do that kind of stuff anymore. And, and I remember thinking, like, I kind of looked at him funny. Like, are you serious? Like, I just told you all these great things that I, that, that I was a part of, and now you're asking me to, I, I mean, now the bathroom is dirty? Okay. And, like, like what do you expect me to do? And, 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 and all of a sudden, it was like God was saying something to me, using my dad to do it, and he was saying it. It, I can't give you that if you can't be faithful with this. Like, I can't give you that if you can't be faithful in this. 
And I think it's very relatable to a lot of us because we think, man, they asked me to serve in E-Kids. E-Kids? Me? E-Kids? Why in the world would they expect me to serve in, in, in E-Kids? Like, like God's called me to real people. Real people. I'm not, I'm not called to E-Kids. I'm called to, to real people. I remember one time a, a pastor came through and, and we were having some, some, some real revival happening with teenagers and this pastor probably you know expected me to like leave and go pioneer church somewhere and so he called me forward in front of everybody and he said Adam I just want to tell you something God's called you to real people and I'm thinking are you serious dude like I I've been given my life to these are the young people are, are are real people too I mean I mean it was almost like he was saying that's that's beneath you that's that servant. That's kind of beneath me. That's that. That's that's not what God's call called me to do. It's amazing the mentality that we can get. And God's saying, I want you to be faithful in little. If if washing the disciples' feet was beneath Jesus, do you really think that three days later he would allow spikes to go through his hands and his feet, a crown of thorns placed on his head, a, a massive, vicious beating to his back, all to save mankind? Like, Jesus knew, I have to do this. I'm, I must do this. If I can't wash the filth off their feet, how in the world am I going to be able to wash the filth of sin off of their hearts? Nothing can be beneath me, and we've got to have the same mentality. I'm going to be faithful in little. I'm going to be faithful in little. Amen. Can you be faithful in what is least? The second thing that we see in, in, this, in this text that Jesus says, he says, can you be faithful with unrighteous mammon? And he, he's talking here about money. He's talking about money. And so we think unrighteous mammon, we try to over-spiritualize it. He's just talking about finances here. And the question is, can you be faithful with money? God's entrusted us with money, all of us. Every single one of us, he's given us a portion. And the question is, is does, do you have money or does money have you? What I love about Elevate Ministries is we're not afraid to ask people to give. We've never been afraid to ask people to obey God when it comes to their finances. There's, here's what you need to hear. There's a lot of cheaper churches that you could go to. I'm just gonna be real honest with you. Like, there's you can go to you can find churches that are much less expensive than Elevate Ministries. All right, they're they're not they're probably not advancing the kingdom. Not a lot of vision. Uh, not, not a lot of uh, of taking ground. But at least they're not asking you to give your tithe. You can keep your tithe if you go to a church like that. But I love that I'm a part of a church that is not afraid to give. It's not afraid to do what's right with finances. The Bible says where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. When I think about my wife and I, Carrie and I, we never would have made it in ministry if we hadn't learned to give. We knew that we couldn't do it on our own. Like if we added up our bills and added up our income, it didn't add up. Like, it didn't, it didn't make sense. There's no way that we could, we could ever possibly make it. But I want to tell you something. It forced Carrie and I to say, you know what? We better give. We, we better sow. We better bring the tithe to the Lord because the math doesn't add up. So we're going to need God to be on our side in order to make it. And I want to tell you something. Supernaturally, week after week, as we were faithful to God, God was faithful to us. Let me tell you something. If you're faithful to God's house, he'll be faithful to your own. Somebody say amen. And so God had to test us with money. Why? Because how could he entrust true riches? Because true riches is far beyond money. 
Money is not true riches. How could God trust us with the true riches of the kingdom? How could he trust us with the lives of people if we couldn't even be faithful with some dollar bills? You might think the tithe is all about the church paying its bills. But Jesus is saying, who can trust you with true riches in the kingdom if you're not faithful with a few dollars? It's not about the church paying the bills. It's about you obeying God and being faithful even when it's hard, even when it's the time of, of, of year where, man, it's super tight. Even when you're going through a tight season financially, can you remain faithful to God? Because if you can, you'll experience true riches in your life. Can you be faithful with money? The third thing I see is can you be faithful with what belongs to another man? Jesus says if you can't be faithful with what belongs to someone else, how in the world do you expect to get something that, that's your own? And, that, and when Jesus said that, it reminded me of a story in 2 Kings chapter 3. Elijah has, has gone up uh, in, in a chariot of fire. He's gone up into heaven, and he's thrown his mantle down. We know Elisha's already picked up the mantle. But no one knows Elisha is a prophet. Elijah was the prophet, and he's gone. And now they need a new prophet. And the Bible says in 2 Kings 3 that these kings got together, and they're, they're asking, is there a prophet that we can get to come talk to us and tell us what the Lord says? And the Bible says in verse 11 um, that, 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 that is, there, is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of the Lord by him? So one of the servants of the king of Israel answered and said, well, Elisha is here. Elisha is here, and he poured water on the hands of Elijah. Now, if I'm the king, I would be like, I didn't ask that. I asked, is there a prophet here? And the servant said, yeah, uh, Elisha's here, and he poured water on the hand of the prophet. It's almost like, these kings are together, and they're looking for a prophet, and they, they're bringing in all the resumes, and they pull up Elisha's resume. And they're like, uh, the, the resume to be a prophet of God. And, 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 and it says qualifications. And Elisha wrote, I poured water on the hands of Elijah. And the kings are probably thinking, well, that's cool, but what does that have to do with prophecy? How in the world? I'm, I'm, I'm not I mean, anybody can pour water on the hands of Elijah. I mean, what makes that a big deal? I, I mean, do you have any pre-recorded prophecies that you've, you, you, you've, you've, you've said before? Have any of your predictions come true that you can prove? That's the kind of things that we're looking for. But, but in the kingdom, it's different. Because God looks at Elisha, even though all he's done is poured water on the hands of Elijah, and God says, transfer the anointing to him. And we know the story. Elisha does twice the amount of miracles. He, he, he does twice the amount of anointing is on Elisha's life uh, than it was on Elijah's life. And why? I'll tell you why. Because he was faithful to someone else. He, he was faithful in something that belonged to another man. Can you be faithful for someone else's benefit? That's the question. And Jesus says this, if you can't be faithful in what belongs to another man, and you're thinking, well, yeah, yeah but that's not my vision. That's not my dream. Let me tell you something. God knows it's not your vision. God knows it's not your dream. But God's saying, I want you to get your dream, and your dream is going to be bigger than you, and you're going to need people to come alongside of you. How am I going to get people to come alongside of you if you can't come alongside someone else? If you're not faithful over here, how am I going to get you over there? 
If you fail to sow over here, it's going to be very difficult to reap it over there. God's looking for faithful people. He's looking for faithful people. And how do you find faithful people? You find them serving. You find them serving. The greatest thing that you and I can do with our lives is serve. Serve in the hard times. Serve in the tough seasons. It's when we serve through those seasons and through those times that God brings about the purpose for our lives. You can trust me because I've experienced it in my own life. God will test you in your faithfulness so that he can promote you and give you fruitfulness. That's what he wants to do. So you're sitting here today thinking, well, when is it going to be my time? When is it going to be my season? I'm here saying this. You're in your time, and you're in your season. If you're faithful, God will bring about your purpose, and you'll experience fruitfulness. You'll experience it in your life. I, th I think about Joseph, all the struggle he went through, all of the seasons of grief and torment, all of the seasons of hurt and betrayal. He went through all of those seasons and remained faithful. And because he remained faithful, God caused him to forget all of that pain, and he was able to experience fruitfulness. And it's the same thing he wants to do in your life. It's a picture of what God wants to do in you. It's a picture of what he wants to do in me. That's why Satan works overtime. I tell you, it's not worth it. That's why Satan works overtime and say, no, you can't. don't do that. It's beneath you. Satan so desperately wants you to turn your back on faithfulness because he knows faithfulness is the key to your purpose. It's faithfulness through the hard times. It's faithfulness in the difficult seasons. It's that faithfulness that gets you to the call of God, the destiny he has, the future, the promise. It all comes through faithfulness. I want to challenge you to faithfulness. This whole message has just been preached to cause you to think about faithfulness faithfulness. We make faithfulness like this big spiritual word and really it's, it's very simple. Simple. It's showing up. It's, it's doing what you say. It's obeying God's word. We, we make it this big spiritual thing but it's really, it's just obeying what God says in spite of what everything, in spite of everything else. God uses time and seasons to bring you into purpose. Some of you, I've been going through these times and seasons for so long. I just keep circling this. I'm going to challenge you. The one way, one way you fast track is faithfulness. God, gives, God tests us with responsibility before he can trust us with authority it's in those times and seasons that we prove our faithfulness that God brings fruitfulness. It's, it's very simple. And God, I want, the reason for this message is just to cause you to think about it, not in some super spiritual way, but faithfulness is just, it's the simple things. It's the things that no one notices. It's the stuff nobody sees. It's, it's a decision of your heart. That I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do, do what's right. I'm going to stay faithful when no one's looking. I'm going to live faithful, just like Joseph did, whether I'm stuck in a dungeon, whether I'm working for somebody else, 
whether I'm, whether I'm thrown in a pit, I'm, I'm just gonna continue to be faithful to that dream. I'm gonna, I'm gonna remain faithful to what I believe. And eventually, God will cause me to forget and he'll bring me into fruitfulness. That's what God wants to do for every one of, every one of us here in this room. God, we thank you today. Thank you for today. Thank you for this message. And I pray, Lord, that this congregation will be encouraged toward faithfulness. Lord, that we'd be encouraged towards faithfulness. Lord, that we wouldn't make it some big, super spiritual antidote to get your purpose. What we'd recognize is just, it's simply just continuing to do what you say, to live out your word, even when it's hard even when it's difficult. Lord, that you're using those times, you're using those difficult times and difficult seasons to test us so you can trust us with our purpose. And I pray right now, all over this room, in this place, Lord, that there would be a challenge that would be accepted by your people to rise in faithfulness. Maybe that's a decision in your life. You say, you know what? I'm gonna rise and I'm gonna, I'm gonna continue to be faithful. Satan's always going to challenge that. He's always going to try and torment you and pull you off of faithfulness. But you're saying right now, you know what? I'm going to rise in faithfulness. I'm just going to continue to do what's right. I'm just going to continue to pursue God. If that's you, just maybe, maybe right, right now you just lift your hand and that's me. I'm going I'm to I'm, I'm stick it out. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to press in in faithfulness. Thank you for those hands all over this place. Lots of hands. Lots of hands. Maybe we could stand all over this room. Maybe you lift your hands to heaven and say, God, I just want to be faithful. I want to be counted faithful. I want to be counted faithful even difficult seasons and difficult times I know many of you right now you're going through a difficult time you're in that that challenging season and God's God's watching you right now he's looking at you and the question is can you be faithful right there right where you're at can you just be faithful to God be faithful to his word just continue to do what he says and as you do we know God's bringing you into purpose he's guiding you he's leading you into purpose right now all over this place in Jesus name lift your hands all over this place God we thank you today for faith faithful people, Lord, for committed people, Lord, just wanting to do what's right, just wanting to live according to your word. Lord, we know that the enemy comes in, he, he tries to distort, he tries to, to He tries to remove us from, from, from faithfulness, he tries to tell us it's not worth it, and why would we try, and, 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 and what's the use, and he tries to throw those thoughts into our brain, but today, we, we recognize, Lord, faithfulness brings us into purpose, it brings us into destiny, it brings us into the call of God, it leads us into fruitfulness. God, I pray let us remain faithful to you. Now, all of this place, maybe just make that commitment. Say, Lord, I just want to be faithful. I just want to live faithful. I want to live according to your word, God. Come on, just begin to pray. If you can, lift your voice. Just right there. Now, I want to be faithful. Lord, I want to be counted as faithful, God. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus all over this room right now. Thank you, God. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Sing, I will rest in Father's hands. I will rest in the Father's hands. I will. 
open up these altars. Maybe right now is one of those seasons, is one of those times. And you're here in this place and you say, yeah, I'm in one of those seasons. I'm in one of those times. I, I need God right now. I need God right now. If that's you, I want you to jump out of your seat. Come down here. We're going to pray together. Come on. I'm in one of those hard times. I'm in one of those difficult seasons that you're talking about. And I, I need God. I need to... The temptation is just to walk away. The temptation is just to give up. The temptation is to quit. But, but I know I need to remain faithful. You're in one of those seasons. You're in one of those times. Come on down to this altar. Come on, get, get nice and close. Let's come down. Let's, let's be together. Can we do that? Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, come on, sing it. I will rest in the Father's hands. In the Father's hand. 
My doubts and fears don't scare you. You're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought. So I stop all negotiations with the God of all creation. Cause you're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought you were. Oh, yes, you are. Come on, tell the Lord. Tell the Lord that you trust Him today. Say, God, I'm going to take steps to be more faithful. Lord, I'm going to be taking steps, Lord, to be more faithful to you, Lord Jesus. I want to be a servant, God. I want to serve for you, Lord. I want to do what you've called me to do, God. Oh. Come on, just begin to pray it out. Begin to tell God. Begin to tell Him what you want to do. Tell Him what you want to see. Lord Jesus, I want to do it all for you, God. You're the reason, Lord. You're the reason, Lord, yeah. Oh. Come on, we want to be a faithful God. Let's sing it one more time. Throw all my cares. Sing it out. Oh, so I throw all my cares before you. And my doubts and fears, they don't scare you, Lord. You're bigger than I thought you were. You're bigger than I thought. So I stop message today a message of being faithful how many want to strive to be more faithful I know that you know even those that do a lot in the church man we look at this and we hear a message like that man I think I can do more I think I can do more I think God's got more in store for me we are never done how many know that we are never done just because just like God isn't done it's one of the things that we say around here God's not done we are not done God's got more planned for you like pastor said he's got a purpose for your life and we start somewhere so God we thank you Lord Jesus Lord that we can be servants Lord we can serve each other we can serve the people of, of this church Lord we can serve your house Lord and we can serve our community, Lord, with all one purpose, Lord, is to reach people for your kingdom, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, that you've got so many different ways for us to do that. Lord, for everybody that came to the front, Lord, answering that call, answering that call, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you begin to do something incredible within them, Lord Jesus. Lord, begin to stir them up on the inside, Lord. Set, set their feet in front of them, Lord, on a path, Lord, to where you want to take them. Help us all to be servants, Lord. Never too good to do what you've called us to do. From the bottom to the top, Lord, we thank you for the purpose that you placed on us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise this morning? Thank you, Lord Jesus. What a good God we serve. Come on, how many repeat, appreciate that message today? Wasn't that tremendous? So grateful for our pastor. So grateful for that message. It really is the heart of our pastors and the heart of this church. We want to thank you for coming this morning. God bless you as you go from this place. Make sure to spend some time, talk with some people, fellowship, and have a great week. We love you. God bless you.
Until your voice